Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie. Welcome back, everybody. It's that time of month again for our show. I always look forward to this time of the month because it allows me to reflect upon the events of the last 30 days and to and to figure out what's important to me that I'd like to share with you and at least affect one person out there. I'm sure and I'm certain thousands of people listen in at various times either to this show live or through their podcast. But my purpose is at least one soul out there hears our message and it touches them in some way. And that's really my hope and prayer to have this show. So first of all, I always start off with my honorable mentions of people whose memory come to mind and are inspiring. And I just got word that the famed architect, I.M. Pei, just passed away at 102. And as you know, I'm very much into longevity. That's, that's a goal of mine to promote longevity <clears throat> among my patients and in myself and among the people I know and care about. And I look at all the things that promote longevity. And one of the things that inspires me about I.M. Pei, who just passed at 102, was that according to the news report that he was still designing architectural design into his 90s. So still purposeful, still has a reason to get up every morning and do something. We've also lost in the last few days comedian Tim Conway at 85 and it, he proves to me that laughter is good medicine that you have to have levity and light to keep people inspired and they also have to love what they do and so may he rest in peace the other celebrity who's passed away was Doris Day and a lot of us who are in our 60s do remember her growing up Doris Day passed away this week at 97 and she was famous for movies back in the 40s, 50s, 60s. She was a, she was a, had a beautiful voice. Uh, her song "Que Sera Sera" from the movie "The Man Who Knew Too Much" was actually the song my mother would sing to my brother, who was born in 1956. And Doris Day lived a long, good life up to 97. And I really think what kept her alive was her love of animals, her love of pets, of her foundation. There were stories about her that she would take in lost animals, lost dogs, and wound up putting them into her home in Beverly Hills. She was the dog lady of Beverly Hills. She set up the first pet hotel in the country, and her love was so great for the animals. And I think when you look at people, and I, I look at presidents who live long, one of the things they tend to have in common is they all had a pet. They had dogs or some animal that gave them unconditional love. And I, at work, we, we have workers who have animals. I wish I could have a pet. We, we're just too busy to, it'd be, it'd be cruel to the animal because we're gone so much. But to have some source of unconditional love that looks at you and cares about you, I think what a wonderful thing to have. The other th person who comes to mind in our honorable mentions is someone still living and it's former president Jimmy Carter. We're wishing him a, a good convalescence because this week he broke his hip on Monday. He underwent hip surgery. He's recovering at home in Plains, Georgia. And former President Carter is 94 years old. And how did he break his hip? Well, he was on his way to turkey hunting. He really loved turkey hunting. And his main concern after he broke his hip and was recovering was that the turkey season would end this week and he won't be able to reach his limit for catching uh, shooting turkeys. So he hoped that the state of Georgia will allow him to roll over the unused limit to the next year, according to a spokesman. So again, somebody with 94 years, still going strong. He survived melanoma of the brain through immunotherapy, still purposeful. I read an article about him uh, a few months ago that he was still teaching once a month Bible study at his church. And here he was looking forward to going turkey hunting. And even after that injury, he still had the wherewithal to say, hey, listen, I haven't reached my limit. I want that to roll over. And I'm sure he's got connections in the state of Georgia to allow him to roll over that limit to next year when he's 95. So good for him. As I look at this month of May, we just celebrated this past week, Mother's Day. So belated happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. You know you wouldn't be here if you didn't have a mom, right? So to all the moms, the grandmoms, the great-grandmoms, the stepmoms, God bless you all. I really think of all the things I've done in my life, the hardest job is being a mom because it never ends. It tugs at your brain, your heartstrings, your energy, 
somebody once said, you're only as happy as your least happy child. It's true. I've, I've, I've been a, a mom for 32 years. I've been a grandma for three years. I don't want you to know if you don't have grandkids, that's the best part of having kids. It's too bad you can't skip directly to being a grandma, but that's something everyone should look forward to is being a grandparent. The other celebration this month is on May 23rd next week. I will be, it'll be 38 years since I pinned on, well, pin, I didn't pin it on. I put on my hood to be an MD. I got my MD degree 38 years ago. That's a long time. So I'm thinking that the babies I delivered in internship are 37 years old now. Man, is, is that scary? So, so as I think about the theme of this show, the month of May, it's about moms. It's about graduations. Congratulations to the graduates out there. Last week, I had the honor of being the commencement speaker at ASU College of Health Sciences. And I love giving commencement speeches because I don't use a PowerPoint. I use brief remarks. This was probably the fifth or sixth commencement speech I gave for a university. That they didn't have to pay me. I was happy to volunteer to do that because both my sons graduated with eight, graduated from ASU with their business degrees, and then my oldest son Andrew got his MBA from there. So it was was a joy for me to go back to the College of Health Sciences and and speak at their graduation. But of course, they always say, <clears throat> you know, you've got, it's a great honor for you, but you only got like 13 minutes. So I said I got it, and my typical spiel for this is. I tell the audience as I, I, I get nominated to do this, I, I get invited, I'm excited, and I do the first thing I did when I was in college and high school and med school is I procrastinated until it was like a few days before the time of the speech, and then I was like doing all this frantic activity, what do I do, what do I talk about, what do I write, and of course, the typical day and age, you know, you sit at Starbucks with your laptop, you talk to strangers, get ideas, and then in the final few days, you know, you do the all-nighter, you get it written, and one of the things I do believe in is you always get professional help, so I asked my youngest son, Jason, who's the youngest graduate, he's actually getting his MBA now at University of Minnesota, but he most recently graduated from his bachelor with his bachelor's about four or five years ago. And I said, so what do you recommend? He says, Mom, 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 don't don't be worried, don't make a big deal. Nobody, nobody ever remembers the commencement speaker, okay? Unless of course you suck. And I said, I, I get it. So I will try not to 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 do poorly. I'll do a good job. I kept it short and sweet, and it was a lot of fun. So congratulations on the graduates out there. It's a great month for graduation. So this month, I want to talk about doctors, and in addition to that, moms obviously. But I want to talk about doctors. I've been a doc now for 38 years, and I think it, it defines you in a lot of ways. It grows you in a lot of ways. It allows you the intimacy of being in people's lives. I mean, at first when I was starting off life, <clears throat> I wanted to be a teacher. Okay, well actually I wanted to be a nun, but you can't date guys if you're a nun. So I, I, I got rid of that ambition pretty fast. So then I wanted to be a teacher. And then I said, well, I could do more than that. I, I could be a physician, but then maybe I'll be a journalist because you, know, you can get stories and you can write lots of ideas about them and create, but then if you're a doctor, you can ask anybody anything. They tell you all their secrets, you can ask them whatever questions you have, they'll tell you. And sometimes you don't even ask, they'll tell you anyway. So as I thought of the theme for this year's show, it's about longevity. And one of the aspects of longevity that I believe that presidents have that allow them to live long, because which is the next book I'll ultimately write, The 11 Presidential Secrets to Longevity, one of the aspects of longevity among presidents that they have in common is they have a physician. As a White House physician, they have usually now a team of physicians. You have people who are dedicated to make sure you don't die in office and that your life is prolonged. And even after you leave office, you still have a team of physicians who work with you to make sure you live long. Look at Jimmy Carter, 94 years old, broke a hip, survived, still going strong, survived brain cancer. Former President George Herbert Walker Bush died last uh, year at 94, and still he had a team of doctors taking care of him in the end, on and on. They had that advantage of having a physician. So what is it about having a doctor that helps you live longer? And I think that's part of the theme I want to talk about today. This show, it, it starts off when you get the email announcement. It said, it said, uh, about uh, keeping the doctor away. No, don't keep the doctor away. And that comes from an old saying that was attributed to Ben Franklin that he said, 
a do- an apple a day keeps the doctor away. And I guess part of the theme is that if you eat apples, it's healthy for you. It's got fiber and you don't worry about the doctor. And there's a lot of benefits to apples, definitely. But do you really want to keep the doctor away? And I think people now with the internet, you know, they're able to get their MD online by researching and we ch- are challenged all the time. But you still need somebody with that MD, that degree, that experience who looks out for you. It's it's a definitely plus aspect of longevity. I see it in my private practice. I, I have other allied healthcare workers, other people who work with me. I have a nurse practitioner. I have medical assistants. I have friends who are in other fields. I call them fellow healers. But I think there's something about having a doctor who looks out for you that will promote your life. And I see that I'm having done that at the White House. So right now, I talk about, let's talk about doctors and and really taking care of patients. And as I thought of that, who would be a better person than my guest today? Dr. Patricia Pepper. Now, a little bit about Dr. Pepper, great name. It wasn't always Dr. Pepper. I knew Dr. Pepper when she was Dr. Patricia Vold. I think it was like 20 some years ago, I met Dr. I'll call her Dr. Patty. I met her at Naval Hospital San Diego. I think I was an attending and she was a resident. And it was around that time, I'll have her tell me tell everybody the story of how she became a Pepper. But she was going to get married to to Dave Pepper, and I was fi- I was signing her her leave papers to get married, and that's when I asked her about her name. But I'll have her share that later with you. So let me give you a little bit of background about our, our in-studio guest, Dr. Patricia Pepper. She's a native of Clarkfield, Minnesota. She graduated summa cum laude from Concordia College in Moorhead, Minnesota, with a Bachelor of Arts degree in biology and in nutrition in 1986. After she received her medical degree from the University of Minnesota, She entered transitional internship at the Naval Hospital San Diego in 1991. She completed internal medicine residency and attained board certification in 1994. Dr. Pepper is a fellow of the American College of Physicians and was recognized as a Navy chapter laureate, which is a great honor, in 2018. She's a master clinician and associate professor of medicine at the Uniformed Services University of the Health Sciences, which is my medical school alma mater. Of note, when she retired from the Navy a few months ago, after 27 years active duty, I think they mentioned she had trained over 400 internal medicine residents in the training program as program director. So many of the practicing internal medicine physicians out there have been molded and trained by Dr. Pepper's highest standards possible. So she's really the ultimate internist internist. In other words, we in internal medicine look to her as the ultimate internal medicine physician. So I'm honored to have her today. In addition to being an outstanding physician and a clinician and a professor, as teacher. She's married to her husband, David. They've been married for 26 years. They have two children. We're going to talk about them, who are very successful, talented, brilliant, amazing children. Uh, David is a junior, and Alina is a freshman, both at Dartmouth College. So welcome, Dr. Patty. Welcome to House Calls today. Thank you, Connie. You uh, did one of my shows, I think last year, you're on your way out here with Dr. Asha Devereaux from San Diego, and we had to do it by phone because you called in and we had our third doctor, Dr. Carla Lamb was in studio. So this is nice to have you in studio in this glamorous setting here in University Boulevard and and, in Phoenix as we're surrounded by the very, very sexy looking what do we call this? Egg crates for insulation. So welcome to this uh, this show. Can you share a little bit about your journey to become a doctor? What, what, why did you become a doctor? You know, it's real interesting because I think a lot of people wind up in this profession because they always knew they wanted to be a physician, and that was not me. I went to college not exactly knowing what I wanted to do, and I graduated from college thinking that I wanted to be a dietitian, which I did. I was a dietitian actually at Mayo Clinic and St. Mary's Hospital in Rochester. And when I was there, the part of my job that I liked the most was doctor's round. So I thought, I just need to go to medical school. I'd done all the prereqs, so I went to medical school. I was a non-traditional student. I had done things a little bit differently. Um, And then I wound up in the Navy, which was a great journey. Also one I did not think that I would be uh, going on. And I chose to be in the Navy because as most people who are in Navy medicine, the Navy paid for me to go to medical school. Medical school is extremely expensive. It was a decision that I am so glad I made. 
and one that allowed me to travel the world, meet a lot of wonderful people, see and do things that I would never done as a civilian. You did have an incredible career. In addition, talk about the other places where you talked about Stanford. You were Mm -hmm. there for a while at Stanford. Mm -hmm. Right. So I trained in San Diego. My first duty station was at Naval Hospital in Bremerton, Washington. And I worked with the Family Practice Residency Program when I was there, which was a great honor. Learned a lot. Learned a lot about being a junior doctor when you're trying to teach Family Practice Residents at the same time. From Bremerton, Washington, I went to Stanford and the Palo Alto VA, did additional training in faculty development, learned how to be a better teacher. And from there, I I progressed to San Diego, where I spent 20 years of my career as a physician, program director. I was the head of internal medicine on the USNS Mercy, which is one of the hospital ships of the Navy. So how long were you deployed on the Mercy? So we did several different deployments. The longest one was four and a half months uh, in what they consider a Pacific partnership where the purpose of the deployment is to show the flag of America. You go as a hospital ship with full capacity and you don't stay anywhere longer than a month. So it's very hard to make huge impacts other than vaccinating, trying to educate the local physicians, and and truly showing the flag of America that our ships and our capabilities are not just about war, they're about trying to spread peace and goodwill towards those less fortunate. See, what's amazing, and you and I know very well, in the military, you're not just a doctor. You represent the flag, you're a military officer, and it isn't just at one clinic, they transfer you around. Here you had the opportunity to be on a ship, a hospital ship, at a clinic, at a teaching facility, and then the major training center where you train most of your career. We're going to come back in a few minutes because I want to ask you a little bit more. We, we delve into your career. You've had a very incredible career where it isn't just one place that you stayed, but you've touched so many lives, not only the people you trained, but all the, do- all the patients that you took care of, including my parents. You took care of my mom and dad. You're the one who really took great care of my dad towards the end of his life. And and again, you're truly a doctor's doctor, and that's why I'm so pleased to have you today to talk about the importance of doctors in our own, in our own lives. So everybody stay tuned for more on Dr. Connie's House Calls with our special guest, Dr. Patty Pepper, and we'll be back after this little commercial break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families, Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano. This is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work-life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. 
If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. This show is dedicated to our patients because we're talking today with Dr. Patty Pepper, a dear friend of mine and a doctor, a true doctor's doctor, who has been practicing. How many years have you been practicing now? What year? So 28. 28 years. Mm-hmm. You know, Patty, I think of how long we've been practicing medicine. This month will be 38 years that I've been a physician, 28 years since you have been. I've been a mom for 32 years. You've been a mom for how many years? 21 years. And how many years have you been married? 26. <laughs> See? So we, we've been married to medicine and our patients longer than anything we've ever done. And we have such close relationships with her patients in a lot of ways yeah I know I married one of my patients but that's that's a whole different story but one of the things I want to talk about was your relationships with your patients and the story I love because you wouldn't be married today had it not been for one of your patients can you share with everybody that story when I was an intern back in 1991 which was a very different time to train than now because we truly were residents of the hospital you spent 120 plus hours a week in the hospital I was rotating on the general surgery service and we started the rotation rotations were typically a month long we started the rotation with 28 patients on the service so 28 patients two interns a junior resident and a senior resident and on the second day the senior resident fired the junior resident and now we had 35 patients with two interns Uh, who had no idea what they were uh, doing one of those patients turned out to be Colonel Pepper and Colonel Pepper was in the hospital and very very sick and truly I was living in the hospital hardly ever went home on call overnight in the hospital every second or every third night and Colonel Pepper's son was there and started to take pity on me because I was never leaving the hospital (laughs) and first started by uh, bringing me something to eat because didn't think I was getting enough to eat and one day his dad said to me "Uh, you know I think you should I think you should marry my son and I'm like no no you're just you're just you're sick uh, you're delirious you're yeah. delirious um, but but that evolved and eventually I you know accepted a date to go out with his son and a few months later we were engaged and a short time after that we were married isn't it amazing that your future father-in-law blessed you he just said you need to marry him you need exactly. to marry my son he picked him out I mean he picked him it was one of the few reasons that you go to a hospital you meet the love of your life and there you go I mean you wouldn't have your children they had he not done that rotation had Colonel Pepper got Neil to be in the I mean can you imagine all the things because of that Mm -hmm. and that Dave was there to do unbelievable so you know you've taken care of thousands of patients you just left you just retired from the Navy and you talked about how close your patients were for 20 years I mean you you grow older they grow older you grow older together for many of our patients were the last doctor we signed their death certificates you know more about them intimately than some of their family members do you they share their secrets you're so involved in their life can you describe what your typical patient is like what are they like so the typical patient in my practice was in their late 70s mix of men and women fascinating people many people ask why you're a military doctor like why is it that you stay and my answer was routinely I always stayed for the people and the people I cared for in the Navy were truly remarkable individuals I cared for the people who you know drove the aircraft carriers who flew the airplanes who repaired the airplanes who were the firemen and women on you know the carriers but 
as importantly as the active duty service member were their wives, you know, the people who stayed home. And the patients in my practice, you know, they were wise when the husbands left, typically husbands left for many months at a time with no communication, an occasional letter. And those women, women stayed home, they raised the family, they kept the households running, and truly had nerves of steel. And they did it extremely well. And it, it was always interesting if you even had a few minutes to ask the patients about their life stories, because the stories are gone. This generation is, they're getting away from us and all their life stories. Of course they had diseases like any 70, 80, 90-year-old patient has, but they also had these truly amazing life stories that are really the fabric of our country. Yeah, yeah. We, we, you look now, and it's sad, we don't have too many heroes, but if you look at the military and law enforcement, you'll see heroes there, and, and having, especially at Naval Hospital San Diego, you have the most junior people and the most senior people and their family, and you see a lot of illnesses, you see a lot of diseases. And you truly have heroes, people who survived the war, many wars, who are veterans, who are tough as nails, and their family who are there. You really take care of the heroes. Can you, when you look back, do you remember the oldest patient you took care of? My oldest patient was Elsie. Elsie lived to be almost 100 years old. She was a remarkable German woman. She had lost her husband when she was in her 70s. But she continued doing her own thing. She had a personal trainer. She had a personal trainer <laughs> when she was 99. She Good was going her. to the gym. And I always tried to help the patients off and on the exam table because I didn't want anybody to fall in the exam room. She would never let me, let me help her. She said, I have to be able to do this by myself. And she was completely sharp until the end of her life. She lived independently to the last three months of her life. That's amazing. I, I look back, because now I've been out of the Navy now 18 years, Mayo Clinic for three and a half, and then private practice for 14 years. So I would say my oldest one in civilian practice died last year at 102. 102. Her maiden name was Schmuckers. And she lived in a retirement community for the last maybe 10, 15 years of her life. She did have a private nurse who would come every couple of days and check on her, take her out to lunch, and would have a shot of whiskey <laughs> with her at night. Because I reminded her that the Queen Mother lived 100 plus, and she had a shot of scotch every night. But she lived 102. She reminds me of Elsie, your patient, because when, when my patient, Marcy, would come in, she would have she would have her assistant with her, her nurse, and she would come in with her walker, and we would try to help her, and she would bat us off. She'd push us away. No, 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 don't help me. I'm fine. And she was clear, clear memory. And she, was, she had already celebrated 102, and, she, and at her last physical said, I'm tired. And I said, well, your pacemaker battery <clears throat> is due to be renewed. We need to bring you over to the hospital and renew it. She goes, don't do it. She says, I am done. She says, I have lived a long, good life, Everybody I've loved is gone, and it's time for me to go. And I said, are you sure? She goes, absolutely. I said, if we don't replace it, your, your heart rate's going to drop, and you're, you're going to pass. She goes, I'm aware of that. And she was clear, clear, crystal clear. So I said, well, let's get hospice. We got hospice, and I called her kids. Her oldest kid was 80. And so I said, you know, mom's decided. She goes, oh, so soon. I said, yes. And I said, why do you think your mom lives so long? And it reminds me of your patient with training, Marcy played golf, and she walked several miles a day. Even in her 90s, she would just get out and walk on the golf course. And she kept current on issues, and just her mind, she just focused so much on what was going on in the world. And I th and she had a good attitude. She told me a story about a friend of hers who was always negative, cranky, negative, always saw the bad part of things, and that woman died at 50. And here Marcy was, living into 102. And that was just, it was amazing. So when you, so you know, you talk about yours who had a trainer at that age, I think that's incredible. So as you look back at all the patients you've taken care of, what was the hardest thing about those patients for you, about being their doctor? I don't know that there was one thing that was the hardest. I think that every patient goes through challenges in their lives, and that challenge may be an illness in a child, it may be the loss of a child, it may be their own health. And I think that oftentimes it wasn't necessarily treating the patient's disease that was mm -hmm. so difficult, 
but more times treating the dysfunction or the disease inside their own family. Very, very difficult times. I had a patient who came in one day, an older woman, who just, she, we just couldn't even get on with the appointment because, you know, she had lost a son in prison. Mm. I, I didn't even know that the son in was jail. in prison. Yeah. Right? So, so I think that that's always dealing with the family crises is oftentimes way more difficult than treating the disease. It's so true. You know, you come in, when I do annual exams, I go over EKG, lab results, colonoscopy, their immunizations, but most of that time is spent talking. Uh, for example, my patient today came in, annual exam, has an aneurysm that we're following along, but the thing that really concerned him was his children. It was substance abuse, it was relationship issues with his kids, and that's the thing that really bugs them, that they're not happy with, that they're not at peace with, is the people in your lives that impact them. So we see that happen. What kind of advice do you give or what kind of things do you practice that help prolong or help, you know, prevent disease but help prolong their lives? What do you do? I tell all my geriatric patients, even if they don't want to hear it, mm -hmm. that the people who live to be the most functional when they're 80, 90 plus years old are the people who keep themselves involved physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. So the people who decide that they're going to stay home and watch TV all day are not gonna live long lives, they just aren't. The people who decide to get out and play bridge, go to senior yoga, take senior wellness, uh, be active in their church, their social structure, oftentimes they do so much better because there's a purpose in their life. There's a reason to get out of bed. And the one-on-one -on -one communicating with friends is so important for the elderly because many of them are widows. They lose their husband or they lose their wife. And all of a sudden their lifeline is gone and depression is an enormous issue in the geriatric population. It's so true. Yeah, I think of my father who I lost and you took care of my dad when he was hospitalized last year several times. And I was just so impressed how you handled him in the hospital trying to make, you know, talk about code status. And my dad did fine until probably around 91. He was still pretty sharp, but, but after my mom died, it was downhill and just over and over again, just on, you know, on and on, just, just got worse and worse. You talk about longevity and his brother, his next older brother, my Uncle Bert passed away about a month ago, and he was 93. Their baby sister turns 90 this month. So one of the factors that predisposes to longevity is, is genetics. And, and I had had on our first show Dr. J. Alshansky from University of Chicago, who studies statistics and biostatistics and longevity. And I, I asked him, Jay, what's what's the number one factor? He says, it's genetics. So I'll go, thank God, thank God, we've got we've got longevity in our family. But your dad, tell me about your dad as a farmer in Minnesota. Yeah. Tell us about him. It's very interesting growing up on a farm and being involved with farmers. Farmers really don't retire. Yeah. And my dad, who's in his 80s, still has animals on the farm. He's still out working in the field. And he keeps himself very busy from dusk till dawn because this is what farmers do. And the ability to have a reason to get out of bed and go out, whether it's feeding the animals, planting the crops, watching the crops, those kinds of things, it's extremely important. Farmers are good stock. And Scandinavians, which is <laughs> what they are, where I grew up in rural Minnesota, they just, they love their farmland. They love to farm. Um, it's a very tight-knit social community. The farm uh, country typically is. What does he do in the off-season, in, in the winter? Yeah, so, what does he do? So it's interesting because I think that that's always very challenging for the elderly. He keeps busy with you know activities through the church, with his friends. He's involved in a senior meal site where he goes to every day, uh, which is with other farmers uh, and other farm wives. Um, and uh, you know, thank goodness there are things that uh, good shows to watch on the TV, which is a lot of me TV. <laughs> Hogan's Heroes and Stanford and Sons and some of those good old-fashioned programs. We know the Harvard study. Do you remember the Harvard study way back then? They put him in this this house. They did. They measured reaction times, hearing, vision, and they put him in this house. I think it was a learner study, and it was rewound the clock back 20 years. And they had the furniture, the food, the refrigerator, the appliances, and the music 20 years ago. 
and and they studied them and they were actually their vision got better their hearing got better they were younger so I always think you know when I listen I listen to music of 50s and 60s or, you know young and you feel younger you're transported back in time your 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 body just remembers what it was like and you improve with that I'm going to we're going to pause for another break and then we'll be back with Dr. Patty Pepper talking about doctors and longevity and our love of patients and then we're also going to talk about what we love about being moms in a lot of ways being a good parent's like being a good doctor so stay tuned for more from Dr. Connie for our prescription for a long good life. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano. This is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. We all have unique experiences and outlooks when it comes to leadership and team building, yet sometimes we clash, even when trying to achieve the exact same goals. Check out Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. Your host is Dr. Cass Henry. A shared journey equals success, and every human interaction has the power to achieve this success by working together. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You can like and comment on the Voice America Empowerment Channel Facebook page. This is the place to get and share advice from some of the best leaders on the planet. Get started today by searching for Voice America Empowerment or click the like button under the player today. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. This is our show that's dedicated to the people we love who are our patients and our families and our kids as we celebrate Mother's Day week, but also as we celebrate just being doctors. And I've got Dr. Patty Pepper, who I've known for over 20 years. You can't tell because we look really good and young. And we talked about learning about medicine, that we've each been doctors longer than we've been wives and moms, which is pretty amazing. We've seen medicine evolve. We've seen medicine change. A lot of things happen. But I'm going to segue a little bit from from doctoring because, well, the prescription out there that I'm going to send to the listeners is, get, if you don't have one now, get a doctor. Okay, have a doctor if you can't afford or you don't want a doctor. Get a nurse practitioner or a PA or some allied healthcare person. Have somebody who's your health advisor. Don't go online. Get a health advisor that who can counsel you, advise you on your health. And if you have questions about it, go get help. Listen, take care of yourself. Right? Own up. Get responsibility and, and 
really take care of yourself. A lot of people forget to take care of themselves. They take care of everybody else and they're the last person. But really, make sure you take care of yourself. But one of the things I think about doctoring is what does it take to make a good doctor? In a lot of ways, the characteristics of a good doctor of being compassionate and caring and knowledgeable and kind really make for a good parent, right? Also, you have to have some tough love with that. So as we celebrate the week after Mother's Day, and as we know, Dr. Pepper and I are moms and we are blessed to have great kids, I want to talk about raising children because I really think having kids is the hardest job. It 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 challenges you mentally. Nothing prepares you. I mean, I, I had my first kid when I was 32, thought I knew everything about it. Is in the hospital, had their first baby. The nurse hands me the baby and says, go ahead. I said, what? She goes, go ahead and breastfeed. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. So they bring me this nurse, and she goes, just let him latch on. And it hurt. I was like, oh, my gosh, is this is what it's meant to be. So, you know, you learn, you know. And, and that first year is terrifying. Your baby has a cold. They're sick. You're like, oh, do I treat him with antibiotics? So I look in his ear. It's like, oh, my gosh, what do I do? It's terrifying terrifying but you get through and then you learn and then you have another baby and so you know we're blessed to have good kids and I was thinking Patty and I talk about our children and tell us about your kids you have amazing children I have two children uh, David is 21 and Elena is 18 and you know they were part of my life all during being a doctor and I think it's it's extremely important that your kids understand what it is you do when you leave for work in the morning and so I was fortunate enough to be able to expose them to medicine. Um, they knew a lot of the people that I worked with. They came to the hospital every once in a while to visit. And now they are both in college and it's been a huge transition. You know, they're there, I'm here, um, but it's all good. And what do they want to do? What are they studying? So David is in economics and he would like to work in big banking. And Elena is pre-med and wants to follow her mom, which is a huge compliment to mom. Did she, did she say early on she wanted to be a doctor like you? She's always been very interested in medicine. And when we were talking about it, when she was getting ready to go to college, she said, Mom, I just don't think there's anything else. I can't imagine doing anything other than being in medicine. So what advice do you give her that you would give listeners out there who want to pursue medicine as a career? Medicine, getting to the end game, getting through residency and getting to the point where you practice is a very long and very difficult, very difficult stretch. It's, it's a lot of school, it's a lot of demands. That being said, it's a profession, in my opinion, that rewards, no other pre profession rewards like the profession of medicine. And if, it, if the calling is in your heart, regardless of how difficult it is, you're going to make it and you're going to be an amazing doctor because you're going into medicine for the right reason. Yeah. It isn't about the money. It is about the recognition. It's about truly loving people and patients and wanting to help them. It truly is. It's, you know, I look at you and I, we both retired from the Navy. So, you know, really, when you look at, we really don't have to work, honestly, if you, depending on your lifestyle, you don't, but we choose to work because we love what we do. And, and I think, well, someone asked me, because I'm 64, how much longer do I want to work? And I said, as long as the good Lord gives me a decent brain, I keep current in medicine, and, and I don't become cynical, and I can still make a difference in people's lives. When you look at Supreme Court justices, how, old, how long do they serve? You know, they learn to work a long, long time. And I know they look at competency about physicians, but if you, if you surround yourself with younger people, which is my goal in my practice, to have younger, smarter doctors, always hire smarter people, then it keeps me current, and, you, and they also look out for you, and they look out for your patients. But I think what comes with time, and you see it as, as an internist, as somebody who takes care of adult medicine, you know the bigger picture. You develop, as a clinician, a sense. Don't you get a sense that something's not quite right? Right. You, don't you notice that? Have you had those moments where you'll see a patient go, no, it's this, and you don't know where that came from, but you know there's something not quite right? And that skill is very difficult to teach. It's very difficult to teach resonance like something isn't right here we have to keep looking but it's one of those skills that comes with time and and it's one of those skills that it's hard to hang up those that skill set it's interesting you said you know as you were a working mom husband was working in the airlines you're working your kids were coming to the hospital my kids too were born uh, oldest one's 30 when i was 32 was born he's the age i was 
My son Andrew is 32, works for McKesson. He's the age I was when he was born. And Jason was three, I was 34 when he was born. So my kids grew up seeing me in khaki uniform. And I remember one time they knew I was a physician. One time we were at a restaurant and they saw another woman with a khaki uniform and they said, Mom, there's another doctor because they just equated the khaki uniform. You got to be a doctor because that's what we wore. So they got used to seeing mom going to work every day. That was sort of their deal. But tell me about your skills. You, you, you raise good kids and I'm blessed. I raised wonderful sons and I had a, a my, their father is a good dad and was a great partner to, to help partner and raise them. What were the things that you did, you and Dave did, to, to raise such great kids? I don't think there's a magical formula. A lot of my parenting came from if I lead by example and I teach my kids good values and the value of hard work and that life sometimes isn't fair, I hope that they will follow my example and continue on with their life. There was never enough time in any day to perfect being a parent, a doctor, and a spouse. And I think you have to try to balance those things out on what's important. It's way more important for me to spend time with my kids than to have my house clean. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I never had the cleanest house. You know, oftentimes I would show up for drop-off in the morning and, like, my hair would be flying, and I really <laughs> wasn't put together. But it was good. My kids were there. They were fed. They had clothes on yeah. their back. Um, and and you just have to go with the flow. You have to be flexible and knowing, I'm just not sure how we're going to make it through this day, but somehow or another, yeah. it will happen. It's the hardest thing because you're exhausted. You got, you're pulled at all anger. Mm -hmm. It's worse when your kids are sick. And, you know, part of it's having the right partner to go through. You're, you're both agreeing. Not one's a good cop, the other's a bad cop. You're just both singing with the same, from the same sheet of music. My kids used to have this thing. They go, Mommy, Daddy, because we were one unit. Mommy, Daddy said this. You have some kids, they go around, well, Mommy says no. They run to Daddy, and he says yes. You can't do that. Can't divide it up. But they'll know from your home, your values, that you believe in hard work. You believe in having faith in God. You believe in the family. You believe in the country. I mean, there are things you raise them, and they can see it, that, that you live by that. You know, you serve your country, you do all the things that you think are important, you pass it on. And I can't emphasize enough, and I think this was your situation as well, I could not have done this without my spouse. I mean, you know, we're doing our medicine thing, which oftentimes had unpredictable hours, and our spouses were picking up the kids, they were dropping mm -hmm. off the kids, they were getting the kids to practice, getting food on the table, those kinds of things. Extremely important. I, I still think it's it's such an honor that your daughter still wants to go into medicine because you know my sons I you know I never pushed I never said you need to be a doctor my parents like to do that but no and their father was an attorney so no one went into law nobody went into medicine they went into business but that's okay they have to find their path they have to find their journey and it's really allowing them to make their own mistakes giving them the guidance you want somebody asked do you want your kids to be safe or you want them to be strong I'd rather have them strong because you're they're going to make mistakes they're going to be disappointments is how resilient you become. That's why I'm so irate when you hear in Hollywood about those parents who paid lots of money to get their kids in those goals. Well, you know, it's unfair, it's wrong, but it's really the disservices to their kid because it didn't allow that kid to earn it, to earn the honor of getting into that school. And what does it do to them? It means it's a bad example that if I want it, my mommy or daddy will buy it. Nah, bad example. You know, you're, you're not training them to be responsible adults. And I, I look at what brings people joy and it's joy of doing something you know if you give somebody the, the downside of tremendous wealth somebody had a, a saying that in every one of us there is genius and what brings it out is adversity adversity brings out genius what covers it up is wealth if you throw money at it people aren't going to try right why am i going to bother that's why most lottery winners which i still try to win most lottery winners lose it they blow it completely because why bother, right? And But if you're struggling every day, you have a reason to get up every morning, I got a purpose, I'm making a difference in this world, the achievements are ones I did it, I earned it, it means so much in your life. You have value in your life. I think, you know, I, we look at it as parents, and I, I was going to quote this article actually from Time Magazine 
from, by Esther Wojcicki, who wrote a book about raising kids. And, and one of the things that she talked about was she raised her three incredible daughters, uh, two were CEOs, one became a physician. And in her article, in her book, she talks about her secrets, and she uses a mnemonic trust. And the T is trust, the R is respect, the I is independence. You let your kid become independent. C is collaboration, and then the uh, it's uh, K is kindness. So it's the word trick. That's what she does. It's trick. And then Sally, our assistant, says, "We add as tricky. Yeah, as Yahweh, add faith or God into it." And true, often you know you have to train your kids that they have to trust in your advice, trust each other. But respect is important. How do you raise kids who are respectful, also independent, that you allow them? To gain that, and that's the hardest thing. You have helicopter parents we talked about who in college who hover, don't let go. So the kids aren't used to making tough decisions. And as you mentioned today, you know, about when you, you launched your kids, you've done everything you can. Once they're out of your nest, they're flying on their own. And you can give them good roots and you can give them wings, and in the end, they have to fly. And, and it's really the judgment of a, a good parent to teach them those skills before they leave the nest. Any other advice you'd like to give? I, I think that. There's no perfect parent. There are no perfect kids. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, you have to recognize what's good. You have to work on what needs improvement. Um, and you have to always be supportive. They come to you for any problems that come up. They're good about that. I mean, I think for me, the joy of seeing my children as adults is having them make a decision without my input at all. They just come and say, I've decided to do this. I was not wonderful because I don't have to make a decision. I don't have to write a check about it. I, it's like, good for you because that's what adults do. They make a decision. It's their decision. They tell you that it's done. It's like, good, great, supportive, wonderful. The grandparent part's great because you can spoil them as much as you can. But I think for me, the joy is seeing your children become good parents, that the things you would tell would have told them when they were little, they're telling their kids. Because I don't, that's not my job to discipline my my grandkids. But I see my, my son and his wife are great parents. They give them the, the, the structure the the discipline lovingly but they 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 don't tolerate certain things they give them rules because they need rules and structure and it's important and they give them tasks and ambition and that and it's so important to give them those skills you're giving them skills to, to be in the real world and it's like patience it's like you know I can give you medicine, but part of what you need to do to lower your cholesterol and lose weight is to do lifestyle changes. I can't do it for you. And so I think in a lot of ways, being a good parent's like being a good doctor. You're teaching them, this is why, and you're trying to do that. You can't just write a prescription for a pill and say, here, take that. You can rescue at times, but in the end, if you give them their autonomy, they've got to make that, that choice, that decision. Well, listen, this show's gone by fast. I always tell my guests this hour goes by so quickly. Isn't it, isn't it amazing? It goes by very quickly. Well, I want to thank you, Dr. Patty, for being on this show, for, for coming from San Diego. And I, I wish you great joy in the, the years ahead as you do your wonderful medicine. And your patients are blessed to have you. You've done, you know, thank you for your service. And, and your kids are blessed to have you. So do you want to shout out to your kids or your hubby out there or say hello? Hello to Dave, Elena, and David. There you and go. And to dad. There you go. Thanks, guys, for letting me uh, have your mom on board this show. So thank you all for listening in for this month's Connie's House Calls, Dr. Connie's House Calls. And stay tuned uh, for our next show next month. And we're going to talk about physical activity. And we'll have trainer Matt Lloyd on board to talk about training and physical activity and how it helps prolong your life, just like uh, Dr. Pepper's patient who lived a long, good life through her trainer. So thanks again and have a wonderful week and wonderful month and God bless you all. Thank you again for joining us this week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week.